What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Modern Mixdown. This is the very first episode of this podcast. So before we dive into it, I wanted to take a few minutes to talk to you a little bit about who I am, what this podcast is all about, so you know what to expect going forward. First and foremost, my name is Shane Santana. I am your host. I've been a touring musician with the band Night Argent for eight years now. I've worked in music production, video production, audio engineering, scene, songwriting. I've been involved in the creation of uh, numerous songs, albums, music videos, social media content for not just myself and my band, but for musicians and artists across the country. So why a podcast and why the modern mixdown? So the term mixdown uh, in music refers to the process of taking all the different tracks in a recording for a song and mixing them down to become the stereo track that you hear as the final song. With this podcast, I want to do the same exact thing. I want to bring stories, experiences, and opinions of people involved in every aspect of the entertainment industry. I'll be talking with musicians, vocalists, artists, actors, producers, models, managers, agents, publicists, sound engineers, family, and friends of those involved in music to, to really capture from every angle what it's like to be in the industry. Sometimes we'll be discussing specific topics that are aimed to help educate. Other times we'll just be sharing stories or opinions on anything and everything you would think of. What I want to do is take all these stories and mix their experiences down into this one podcast. So that whether you're a musician, an actor, or just a lover of the arts, uh, you can draw from their experiences and create your own story. So that being said, without further ado, The Modern Mixdown. Let me start by saying thank you for taking time out of your extremely non-busy quarantine days to chat with me. Oh, of course. You know, my, my kids and wife don't want me around, so oh, yeah. this is perfect. I mean, I don't want you around either, so I should be in there hanging out with them. <laughs> yeah, you normally are. So. <laughs> All right. Well, before we get started, I should probably introduce you. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know who I am or who my guest here is, his name is Chase Thompson, a.k.a. Chase Manhattan, a.k.a. Oren, a.k.a. Chance Levine Baker. Yes. That's all one name. <laughs> so that's all, yeah. <laughs> a.k.a. is part of the name. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> From the band Night Argent, mm -hmm. uh, and obviously Oren is your new project. Good Night Argent before his Night Argent. Chase in the Reach before it was Good Night Argent. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could go all the way back. Yeah, it, we yeah. could go all oh the way gosh, back. Dude, we could. We really have been doing this for a long time. Yeah. It's crazy to think about. But, I mean, our beginning of this was middle school boy band performances in, if I remember correctly, khaki shorts and pants with Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. That's how it began, right? Yeah. No, I mean, it was hip. It was cool. As were those words. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That was when, when hip was cool and cool was hip. Yeah. But yeah, man, I didn't know we were going that far back, but yeah, khaki shorts, Hawaiian shirts, pulling out the the dad look before it was in, dude. That's before true. Before it was popular. That's very true. I, I dare say that we started the dad look. Yeah. I mean, before hmm. we were even dads. Well, that's enough of the past. We'll, I'm sure we'll have another episode later on where we go over everything back then. But today, I really wanted to talk with you about Night Argent, previously Good Night Argent, and kind of our time together and our progression from creating here in our hometown to doing our shows and then 
touring and all the struggles that come along with that. So like the reality behind touring, what we didn't expect and the things that we we had to overcome, some of the, the obstacles that people don't think about when they think of touring. So for the listeners, if they're, if they're a fan of the band or a fan of bands in general, they might get a little glimpse as to what it's really like as opposed to their fantasy of like you massive tour buses and oh my gosh, all these fans fawning over you and platters of food everywhere and beautiful bunks with AC blasting on you. If they're other bands or musicians, they might have uh, a little connection with us as far yeah. as like the same struggles that we went through yeah because in reality it's way cooler than that you're way cooler yeah it's <laughs> all private better. jets i mean yeah. like, what else is there <laughs> way better i mean i still remember parachuting into all of our shows yeah <laughs> dude it was the best part that's the only way to do it right yeah. <laughs> so to begin this off 2012 you called me up i was i was down in la i was living my life down there mm-hmm. uh, and i was in i was in a band called uh, burden of proof at the time and, i remember uh, that yeah, a great group of guys and we would get together and we rehearse for hours and hours, uh, you know, well, rehearse until we got too far into the beer. And then we would do a little <laughs> less rehearsing, a little more talking and joking around. But it was great. I mean, and it kept the the music thing alive for me while working my, my, my career down there. But then you called me up and you said, hey, I'm giving one more solid push to mm-hmm. the music thing, to the band thing. And I really need a crew together that's going to take that leap with me and really commit everything and uh, after debating about it, I mean, you you convinced me on it. You sold me on it. And back here I came. So uh, just it kind of is like a pretext for our listeners. Uh, talk to me a little bit about what happened to get you to that point. We briefly touched on the past, like where we started from. And between then and 2012, which is about, you know, 10, eight to 10 years, I would say that I definitely wasn't the uh, most inherently talented in some aspects, in the aspects that I would have liked to have been. Uh-huh. So I spent a good part of that decade, you know, the the aughts, I think they call it, good part of the aughts trying to improve in the areas that I felt I needed to improve in to become a viable performer. And obviously there was always the hope that, you know, I'd find a good team or someone to kind of help me along the way. Yeah, And I had a lot of great mentors in between that time, but by the time we got to 2012, I uh, had built up some solid connections in the industry, people I respected, you know, some live performance experience, songwriting, recording, and I felt like most of the trial and error that I had gone through had prepped me for it's like, okay, I wasn't interested in being a solo performer. I'd done the process of, you know, hiring musicians for a solo project. And obviously there's not a whole lot of money when you're starting out any music project for the most part, unless you're one of the very lucky few. Yeah. To, uh, there's not even money when you're progressing in it for yeah. the most part. <laughs> but continue. I was to the point where I could put together a project and I had, uh, luckily played with some like minded individuals that I could put together a band that had a shot of hopefully what I thought then at the time was quote unquote making it in the industry, yeah. uh, which meant arena tours and number one hits. Right. In my exactly. head, that was making it. Yep. You know, that was the the requisite, the prerequisite for being a popular band. Yeah. Oh, how how things change yeah. at the time, huh? <laughs> you know, of course also the, the music industry was in a different place. People were buying music. Oh yeah iTunes was huge, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, streaming was, I mean, you had Napster. 
<laughs> to start with. And then, you know, these streaming sites started popping up. But yeah, it was a different time. But that's, I had gotten to a point where I wanted to give a good shot at it. And I realized that one of the most important parts of being in a band is liking the people you're in the band with. Yeah. Especially starting out when you're struggling and grinding and, you know, spending countless hours together. And, you know, I had made music with you off and on. We'd been best friends for a long time. I mean, you were my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> I, won't, I won't speak for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but uh, we had been best friends, you know, for a while. You know, I had moved back here. You were living in L.A. for, you know, a few years, and we didn't talk a whole lot. We would catch up. But I knew you loved music, and I knew I, I loved hanging out with you. And I was like, you know what? If I'm going to do something like full on, I wanted to at least offer you a part of it because selfishly, I would thoroughly enjoy your company, you know, through the process. Yeah. That's when I reached out, man. I, I felt like I had this project that had some good potential and I wanted some good dudes at my side. With what we achieved over the over the last eight years, I'd say that you were you were pretty spot on and you you know, there was a lot of potential. To begin, like with your your level of creativity, that I mean, that obviously was the brainchild for all that all that we grew it to be. But I think that you know your recruiting and and the people that you pulled together to make the band and and what it became. I think it's uh yeah, I think you did a great job. I think obviously you know me, yeah, tops. No, I'm just <laughs> no, but uh, really, like you, I think you got together people that, especially in a smaller town like this, it, it's difficult to find people that are so focused on the same kind of goal. Everybody has their own idea of what they want to achieve and how to achieve that. So Goodnight Argent at the time is what we started as. Obviously you, myself, Jeff Stahovsky, and Evan Taylor. All all local boys here. That's how it began. And we had the very talented Mr. Michael Buer as our still hired drummer at the time. Yeah. So, But then uh, obviously later on, as any of uh, of the people that know the band or follow the band know Zach Burrell was our final drummer. He's the one that came in and obviously multi-talented guy, you know, plays everything, sings, raps, beatboxes, break dances. I don't know, the guy does everything, but Snapchats. <laughs> but I mean, obviously a killer drummer and he really filled out like the, that last missing piece of the puzzle that we needed for yeah. someone who was going to go on tour. But so 2012 is when we first start. I remember flying back and the first little show run that we did was with a local group, Run From Cover. Oh, yeah. Other good friends of ours, Zach Mason, Stephen Donnelly, mm-hmm. uh, Andrew Luttrell, you know, so all these great guys, and Michael Buer, obviously, as yeah. well. I remember getting into town, and we were going to be playing a show within a matter of days, so I had to come out to the studio and essentially learn all the material like that. And it was great, but it was uh, kind of my first real experience with that level of publicity from from a band like that. Because our band, you know, down in L.A., we we played shows, but they were, you know, smaller shows in front of, you know, crowds of just our friends and family. That was really about it. But here, I remember one of our first shows together was the Knitting Factory in Spokane. Oh, yeah. Which was a pretty big venue. So Mm -hmm. that was pretty awesome. But um, going through the rest of 2012, we were able to take some pretty cool trips together. Yeah. Starting off after, after that initial tour run, we went to Vegas. And we recorded our Vagabond. Ah, uh, uh, the acoustic the, set of the Palms. Yep, the Vagabonds yeah. in Vegas thing, yeah. Then shortly after that we is when we brought in Zach full-time and we went on a tour across the country uh, over to, like, through St. Louis and 
to New York, up to Rhode Island, if I remember correctly. And then we branched back across the United States again. We were gone for for quite a while. And that that was our first exposure to that length of touring. So as far as I know, that was your longest exposure to that kind of thing too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how much of that do you recall like being what you, uh, what you, what you thought it was going to be versus, you know, what it actually became to be? I don't think I was thinking about it like that at that time. Cause I, I did have no experience and I knew what the goal was and I saw it as a stepping stone, but because that was a tour, we weren't touring with another band. Mm-hmm. This was something that, uh, you know, booking agent had kind of put together with different colleges, universities, you know, it felt like it just, to me, it didn't seem like a tour the way that the the goal was, where it'd be touring with other bands. It was a very interesting route to kind of, you know, cut our teeth on the road, especially for Zach, who's, it was his first time ever leaving the state. That's right. It was a very interesting experience. And I think I was just kind of so excited about being on the road playing shows that I had no expectations. Like, it, to me, just being on the road was the experience of it. And honestly, I probably I probably blocked out most of the bad <laughs> and held on to most of the good and done so with a lot of the, the stuff we've done, you know, is just trying to, because that's the only way you get through it, man. Yeah. Like, during some of, those, some of those days, the only way to get through it is, you know, just appreciate the, the good parts. Oh, yeah. But yeah, that first first tour, like I said, it was I didn't have very many expectations, but I'd say that the best, most memorable part of it was just the traveling with my bros, with the you know the dudes that that's where we really got to know each other as a band. No, and all the funny little quirks that would later become pet peeves and such. But, oh yeah, but yeah, it was, I guess you have a very good point. We didn't really know each other all that well, except for obviously you, you and me. Mm-hmm. But the, yeah, the rest of the guys, they you know, like we were all kind of learning each other and and figuring out what we were all about. But no, I mean, like that, I think that was a great tour for that because there wasn't a lot of pressure. It was pretty laid back and there were a lot of cool things to see. We went to St. Louis and we saw the the arches Oh yeah, in St. Louis. Obviously, New York City, that was, I mean, is New York City. Oh, yeah. And I think uh, we were there for four or five days mm-hmm. and we had the subway passes that our manager at the time, Paul, gave us. Oh, yeah. And we just went all over and yeah. explored. And it, it, I mean, we'd break up into groups at times, but for the most part, we, you know, we all hung out together and just went and tried to experience everything we could and squeeze every last drop of awesomeness out of that trip. Yep. It's that, that twenties energy, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh, that's weird to think about. Yeah. God, we're old. Yeah. But, uh, no, man, it was, uh, it was an experience and the things we got to do in New York, I mean, just that's right. Like, I feel a little, like it was a little disconnected sometimes. And I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit mm-hmm. of the uh, the disconnect from reality that can happen mm-hmm. while being on the road. But just some of those things we got to experience that, like, I guess in my memory has kind of overtaken the actual career impact side of the memories out. You yeah. know what I mean? I see it looking back as a cool trip and a good experience more so than like a a tour, which, you know, I haven't really processed that part of it before, but like looking back, you know, there's obviously tours that we did. Yeah. But those ones where it's just us on the road, man, that felt more like an adventure than anything else. So following that adventure slash tour mm-hmm. was probably our longest 
straight tour, like with no breaks, what we've now dubbed as the high school tour. But it was oh, a, yeah. the tour that we did. The it Access was, TV tour. Yep, exactly. Access TV and Paul, they, you know, they worked on essentially setting us across this array of different different high schools and yeah. we got we you know did a lot of traveling but it was show after show after show just very very busy but it was that was i think was, was a much more structured tour you know as far as actual tour tours go for us because it was it was uh i want to say about six weeks straight yeah it was six weeks i and remember it, that because it was winter it was it was early 2013 mm-hmm. it was winter and i remember a few weeks in we got really sick Oh yeah. So as always, yeah, right for myself. <laughs> but because we were, I want to say about six hours away from home. I think we had a show in Portland that we ended ended up having to cancel, yeah. come back and recover for for a couple of days before going and finishing up the last leg of the tour. Yep. But that uh, that was for me like the first time. It's like this is a lot a lot to take in, especially in our setup. Now we were very lucky to have the setup that we have. We should absolutely say right now that the the help, the resources that we mm-hmm. we had available to us. I mean, we owe so much to our our friends and family who have helped with that, and then a lot of a lot of uh, just positive circumstances where we had the the ability to link up with different companies and Access TV, and mm-hmm. later on we'll talk about the Battle of the Bands, but all these different outside influences that were able to help us as well. But that tour, it, it was. Pretty brutal. I mean, when you, when you think about our actual setup, you want to kind of explain the setup? That memory is a tour. Like, <laughs> to me, that's not an adventure. I mean, there's no other reason I would be going to high schools. Like, <laughs> <laughs> high school, you know, I, I enjoyed the later years of high school, but school wasn't like a positive memory for me. Yeah. It wasn't something I longed to experience again. Yeah, the tour itself, I mean, like you said, luckily we... We had uh, this tour put together by our manager who uh, had a connection with Access TV, and like it was a legit tour. We had a, a sponsor, and you know we had uh, someone booking stuff for us, and we knew we were going to need a way to sleep and travel on the road while saving money. And you know, part of that was like we couldn't afford a tour bus, we couldn't afford to do hotels every night. I mean, honestly, we couldn't afford anything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, we had gotten this used camper uh, my dad had found on Craigslist, haggled the price down, bought it, and uh, Zach's dad and Zach ripped the guts out and remodeled that thing to install some bunks. So instead of a kitchen and a bathroom, it had bunks. And it was very, I mean, very well done considering what it was and super comfortable. But, I mean, it was sketchy, man. It was sketchy, and there was moments that were pretty scary, where it was like, you know what? If I give up my life doing this right now, I'm going to be okay with that. Which, of course, that mindset later on changes as you get older and you have other people that rely on you, kids or spouses. But at the time, it was like, if it happens, it happens. Because if we get in a wreck in this, we're not hospitalized. We're dead. Oh, yeah, absolutely. that's, That's just all there is to it. You know, we had it sitting on the back of my uh, my dad's truck, and and he wanted to drive us and be there on the road. And, you know, as young dudes, obviously, we're like, do we want to go out and have fun together, just us as a band? Or do we want to be able to hang out as a band while someone else drives? Yeah. My dad was so looking forward to being part of that. And, like, to me, that was cool. Like, being able to experience that with my dad and have a a, a family member that supportive of everything. You yeah, know, which absolutely, I probably honestly wouldn't have pursued a career in music unless it was for my my parents saying, "Hey, 
give it a shot. Because I had, I had no clue what I was going to do with my life. I was great at uh, skipping classes and going to the, the choir room. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> that was my biggest talent. Yeah, it's the only place that you really had focus anyways. I mean, yep. come on. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, no, it was, a, it was a sketchy ride, man, for that tour. Yeah. You know, our, our setup. Did we have AC at that point? We did not. No AC at that point. But I mean, it was the middle of winter, so we didn't really need AC yet. <laughs> or I guess I should have said HVAC. Oh, heating and cooling. Absolutely not. Okay. We did not. It, it we was, had blankets. We did have blankets a lot, but not nearly enough. I still remember being oh, bundled man. up and like burying our heads. And I mean, you got to figure we're essentially sleeping in an ice box, you know, because that's true. As in the summer when it got so hot because the sun's being down in winter, it was the exact opposite that just, the cold just isolated us. And, yeah. Oh, man. It, it was brutal. But I still remember um, after. After we got back, I I didn't I guess I didn't realize at some point in the on the road we just had this metamorphosis into these carpalepsy or whatever where you you hop in the car and you just fall asleep. Oh, I have never heard that term, but yeah, very much so. And yeah, we just it just became that. So we knew after a long day of setting up and talking to people, then playing, then doing meet and greets and pictures and autographs, we load everything back up into there because obviously we didn't have roadies. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't have help in that area. We have to do ourselves. We load back up into the car, and I just remember some point in the first two, three weeks, it was just like a switch, and all of a sudden I get in there, and the fear of dying, it was no longer a fear. It was just an acknowledgement of, you know what? Better to die while living my dream than, you know, live with a dead dream. So that was, it was, it was just, I was fine. So profound. Yeah, you know, so I'm- So profound. What can I say? I'm pretty deep. <laughs> No, but I still like I still remember coming back and I, we, we the, the whole band talked about it after that. We got together and we're like, "Are you guys having problems sleeping in your bed?" And all of us were having the same thing because all of us became so comfortable on the road like that in that in that that home away from home. Yeah, I mean, you have you basically you have your own little cocoon in these bunks where you're just curled up and rocked to sleep by the road by that camper sitting high up on the freeway just swaying back and forth <laughs> by those janky chains that you know yeah just rattling you to sleep, dude. that's the that's you know nighttime nursery rhyme right there just drones on and you fall asleep that whole tour was that was our first tour tour together as a band we were still good in Argent at the time but we came back and i still remember one of the coolest the coolest moments for the band i think ever I mean, we've done some some awesome things that from the outside looking in have been much cooler. But for us, I still remember getting home and it had been less than a year that we were together as a band. We come back the very last show of that tour after playing like 30, 30 shows, you know, back to back to back to back. We come back. We're just perfectly rehearsed. We know we know our parts inside and out, forwards and backwards. We can play the set with blindfolds on. Mm-hmm. We play a show at the Richland High School Auditorium here in our hometown and had hundreds and hundreds of, of local people come out just to support us. Afterwards, I think it was our longest uh, autograph photo session ever. Oh, spanning yeah. over four hours. It was insane. You know, we were already exhausted, but it, I mean, the energy from the crowd kept us going. But that was, I think, one of the coolest things and one of the big, biggest acknowledgements from the local town that we were doing something special. And we, you know, had the chance to progress to something better than ourselves. Oh, yeah. No, and I think especially since, you know, everybody, you hear the, the whole thing where you're never appreciated in your hometown. The whole idea that bands will get the support from people all over the world, but in their hometown, they're still, you know, the local band. Oh, yeah. Felt like at that moment, that was almost the opposite, where 
you know, we were new to a lot of these other places and they were excited to see us. And we picked up some, you know, long-term fans, people that I'm still friends with on Facebook, you know, however many years later, but long-term, long-term friends. But the, the hometown show, it was, yeah, it felt like the opposite. It felt like, you know, we had this great local support, which we did, which was so cool. So cool to see. And honestly, that I was really nervous for that show because I didn't know what the turnout was going to be like. You know, obviously we got some good press because of the tour we were coming off of, but mm. I'd agree that's probably one of the most memorable shows on there, one of the coolest experiences. Being on the road touring is one of the best rehearsals you can ever do oh, to get your stuff down. Like at that moment, it felt like we could do this for real. Like we could really turn this into something big. And I remember feeling that way, feeling that high and that great optimism towards this shot in the dark that trying to make it in music typically is. Yeah. And I don't know if, how much you recall about um, Exora. Oh. You remember most I, of I it? Remember, I remember, well, I mean, I guess I remember my highlights and my, you know, stress-induced trauma <laughs> <laughs> portions. I'm not sure what you remember that I don't, but I'm oh, sure there's plenty. Yeah. There, I mean, there, there were plenty of great moments and actually, you know, one of our friends who you just spoke on the phone to a few minutes ago, Janet perform- Krupen, Janet Krupen yeah. yeah. Local hero. She, yeah, she uh, was one of the acts for that Exor music festival that, that, uh, that we helped launch. Yeah. It but, was, it was really cool to get some of the, you know, our friends involved with that. One of the biggest things for Exora, and uh, most of the people listening aren't going to really remember or know anything behind Exora, mm-hmm. but one of the biggest things for that was it was at the local Toyota Center, mm-hmm. uh, which is a massive, I mean, it's huge. Massive venue for this area. Don't don't cheapen what I say, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're right. Yes, a massive, a massive arena for this area. For us, it was super, super cool, but I still remember we had our, our very good, very brilliant, constructionly-minded friend Dewey come mm-hmm. out and help build an addition to the stage that was going to be there. Yeah. So essentially he helped build this, let's see, stairs coming up to two platforms followed by stairs going up to a center platform mm-hmm. that went, you know, what was it? Maybe an extra eight to 10 feet above the stage itself. And on that, you know, we had my keyboard set up over here we had the drum set up over here with that. We, we really wanted to get a lot of video content for the band. That was like the, one of the huge things about it. Our manager was pushing to have video content for it. When we set it up, we started, you know, I started running through the songs. But one of the biggest things I remember about that, about that show, we were not as rehearsed as we should have been. Could have been or should have been. I don't know if you remember that, but we, the act for dress rehearsals, we only ran through the full set, like as it was going to be, I think two or three times. I remember, like, as a whole, we had not run through the set with the additional staging and all the uh, grandiose ideas that, yes. you know, <laughs> we were aiming for, uh, which was definitely a huge mistake mm-hmm. because the band, it's not about any individual performance. It's about the group as a whole and the, the show as a whole and the audience's experience of that show. Exactly. And I do remember, due to the lack of rehearsal, which was different for us, our lack of rehearsal is saying a lot because we rehearsed so much prior to every other tour and just really nailed that stuff down. But we weren't thinking about stages. We weren't thinking about the setup. So when we had this big stage and big setup, there's a lot of things that 
maybe individually we thought, oh, it'd be cool if I did this, but not, is this what's going to be best for the show? Mm -hmm, Exactly. And I think like, while I mean, especially from the outside, people will look at that, that festival, if they ever saw the actual, you know, details of the festival itself versus like, you know, money in versus money out versus the video content we got, like all in all, they'd say it wasn't a success for the band. Mm -hmm. But one thing that really came away from that was for me, especially was this very, very traumatic, almost like a, I failed the audience or we as a group failed the audience because we didn't prep the way we could have and should have. So that's, and that's really where I think where after that is when we started upping everything that we did as far mm-hmm. as rehearsal goes. We, we started constructing shows down to like every, every transition, every, every moment in between songs. We, I mean, how many times have we sat down and counted? Okay. What are you guys doing in between the songs? Okay. We're going to add, you know, an extra four seconds here for you to do that. All right. Let's, let's practice that. Mm-hmm. Okay, now let's practice that again. All right, is that enough time? All right, no, we need to add more, take away, whatever it is. And we got to this point where our shows, no matter how tired we were, no matter if we were hot or cold, whatever it was, our shows began to develop this uh, almost like a military efficiency, mm-hmm. which, I mean, later on with our with the, with the Warp Tour stuff, that saved us. Oh, yeah. Numerous no. times. Hands down. Like, we... You know, we got it to the point where it was, uh, you know, second nature to to go through those steps, and we definitely spent a lot of time preparing. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, even though Exora, which it was a failure, it was a huge, massive failure yeah. for what we wanted. Yes, I've also, you know, come to realize and learn and find out that those failures are extremely important in becoming successful. Like, so huge to be able to go through something like that and instead of beating yourself up and just dwelling on the failure part of it is like, how can we be better? How can we do better? How can we grow from this? And I think we grew in so many ways after that. And it, I mean, that's when we made the transition from good night Argent to night Argent was around that same time period. Yeah. If I, re, if I remember, because we also realized, Hey, it matters what we wear. Yeah. I can't, be wearing torn up jeans and try to go for a rocker look, you know, when we're playing pop music and someone else might be wearing khaki shorts and a Hawaiian shirt. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not Not that anyone wore it, (laughs) but I mean, that's the idea. Yeah. No, absolutely. But we can't, we can't be on the stage looking like, you know, one father of four and then one kid of that father of four. I mean, it just doesn't, doesn't match up correctly. So no, I completely understand that. And that actually, uh, leads into the following year. You know, we talk Mm -hmm. about just brought up Warp Tour 2014. That's when the, uh, initial battle of bands that we worked on. Oh yeah. I remember, uh, I remember you telling us that we submitted and we, there were 15,000 bands. Uh One of the first rounds of the contest was like after you made it past like the first round, uh-huh. the first in-person round was at each stop of Vans Warp Tour that year. Yep. So we qualified for the semifinals of the amphitheater up in... White River. White River, or, is that it? Like that was our first time playing Vans Warp Tour. Like, Oh, yeah. In, in an environment like that. We'd never been in an environment where it was so so structured to be able to accommodate and organize, I mean, like a hundred bands, like 70 to a hundred bands yep. in a single day. It was incredible. I remember we, we got there, we started wandering around the premises 
it was just next level. There was, you know, all these different stages and they're all set up with incredible sound systems, but all aimed specifically to not interfere with each other's as best as possible. Mm-hmm. We were playing on the John Lennon stage. It was a like an oversized bus that folded open into a stage. Yeah. And that's what we played on. And we had a 15 minute set along with the other contestants. Oh, that's that's right. Yeah. yeah. Very, very short set. But uh, what really stuck out to me was that we got so used to, and in 2014, we had some awesome stuff that we got to do. We got to play with Lee DeWise. Yeah. Winner from American Idol season nine. Numerous other shows, but one of them was at Ray's Golden Lion for our, the last time uh, oh, in 2014. Because that was, man, that's crazy. I don't know if you remember, but the following year, Ray and anyone, any musician here in the Tri-Cities mm-hmm. knows Ray's Golden Lion. It was the place to play. Everyone played it because Ray was such a huge supporter. He was an advocate for local music. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The following year after that is when he was unfortunately struck by a car mm-hmm. and passed away. And yeah, the location shut down and, you know, like shortly thereafter and... It we haven't really had anything fully replace it to that extent. We do have Emerald of Siam, which I need to, which is amazing. Oh my gosh, yes, I love Dara. That she is awesome, and they're huge supporters of music. They're honestly like they themselves. Her, her, and her husband are some of the most talented musicians mm-hmm. to begin with. So they, I mean, they could go out and make a living on their own. They don't need to stay here and support local musicians like all of us, but they do because they love it that much and they really give back to the community. So in these trying times, you know, if you're listening, go eat an Emerald. But outside of the other cool shows and stuff that we've done, this particular show was kind of like an awakening for changeovers and sound check because we didn't get those. Mm -hmm. This is the first time that I remember walking onto that stage and they're like, all right, you have 10 minutes for changeover. If you guys aren't aren't done by that time, it starts cutting into your set time. So you better hurry. And so that was the first time I'm like, okay, well, we got to go. So we started going, 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 line check, and then set. And somehow through all that mayhem, we we won. We moved on to the next round. Yeah, which, you know, we're going to have to ask uh, uh, Monica Padman <laughs> of course. To, to fact check this. What I remember happening is like the winner of each, because they did this at every stop, you know, like four mm-hmm. bands in that area, like Seattle area was the one we were in. At every area, they had this, and then the winners of that would get a small prize package. But what they did is they filmed every stop, filmed that, and then out of like 50 winners or however many winners in each area, Brian Ball, Vernie Ball, and um, like Tim Dove, I know they, they had their panel that handpicked the final four which somehow like you know honestly through all the preparation we did after exora and the you know butt kicking that mm-hmm. we took and when we were approached with that 10 minute setup time with the amount of gear that we had built and put together for our set lights like hand handmade lights you know yeah. we build out of materials from lowe's all this stuff that we had is like okay we got to put it together but because of the preparation i think it'll it really showed through on our performance and it was the big reason. I mean, knowing that's, that's even what they told us is that our, our stage performance, the show we put on was the reason we were selected for the final four. Yeah. And then right after that, the very beginning of the following year was when we went to the final four, the you are talking about down in, uh, down in LA Fonda theater Mm -hmm. with the devil wears Prada, which yeah, our, our bassist, Evan Taylor, what, I mean, he was fangirling 
insanely hard. I mean, over these guys. Oh, he, yeah. He, he absolutely obsessed with them and he was just so excited to be there. I was, I mean, we were all incredibly excited and, you know, dumbfounded. Like, how did we stumble into this, you know, we like, we didn't, we thought, well, like we didn't belong in a lot of ways. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, somehow they picked us. We got to go down there. And then against all odds, we went for, it went from being 15,000 bands to us winning the finals of Battle of the Bands. Yeah. Which, I mean, which blew our minds. Yeah, and obviously the prize package, was, we did get a prize package, but on top of the prize package, we got uh, an, an invite, or received an invite to play Warp Tour that fo- that following summer, which was the beginning of, you know, our real, like our our real experience with what a tour, what a touring musician yes. goes through. Before we get to Warp Tour, I, I do want to mention real fast, mm-hmm. that's 2015 now. Beginning 2015, won the Battle of Bands finals. Shortly after still that, crazy man, that was still one of those moments where it goes back to the end of the Access Tour, winning that. Where it's like, holy crap, we might have a shot at this. You mentioned Devil War, Devil Wears Prada, very different from our style of music. Mm-hmm. And most of the people there at the Fonda Theater were there for Devil Wears Prada. That was that was the point of having them there was to get an audience for us unknowns. I remember like thinking, crap, like. This might not go well. Yeah. They might not like us. <laughs> and, you know, just being like, we prepared for this. We're going to put on the show as if everybody in the crowd loves us. And seeing the the response and them getting involved. Yeah, it was one of those moments where it's like, you know what? This is all going to be worth it. And that it was. Yeah. You were spot on. But yeah, I, I, I do remember how how uh, almost self-conscious we were because our, our sound was nothing similar. Like it yeah. was, it just... I mean, I guess you could categorize them both both partially as rock, but we were very poppy rock by yeah. compare especially by comparison. I mean, you know. Yep. You're comparing a very light gray to black and saying they're the same color. So they're both yeah. gray scale, you know, <laughs> but but yeah. As is most of our or was most of our promo material at the time. Yeah. <laughs> Before we get to warp tour, which will be, you know, like the most of our advice will come from Warp Tour, most of our reflections will come from Warp Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, early 2015 is when we went down to South by Southwest for the Quantum Collective Southwest Invasion yes. World Arts. Now, I really want to mention this because right after the Devil Wars Prada performing with them, we got to perform with Ex Ambassadors and the Zombies. Yeah. Along with a handful of other bands that several of us were, were fans of. But yeah, I mean, those were definitely the highlights. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I remember we got to talk to uh, talk to them backstage. We were hanging out in the green room all of them together, and just like, wow, how do we get here? You know, I got a they had a big kiddie pool filled with beer, and they had the platters of food. It's what you would dream of, like being on tour and doing shows would be like. It's yep. just like insanely talented, polite company, and all you can eat and drink of everything that you want. It yeah. was it was it was surreal, and a lot of it had to do with uh, World Arts was mm-hmm. a company that sponsored that particular thing and had us on. And with that, they streamed the entire show live and we got to perform, you know, live from the South by Southwest invasion, yeah. which was insanely cool. And now, like I wanted to mention that because that I think for many of us was the high of what we could expect from tour. Yeah. You know I mean, like, like this is, yeah, this is how it could be. Yep. And then warp tour. <laughs> So Warp Tour, yeah, we talked about it. We played the the one show uh-huh. the year before, but then the next couple of years we get to play on Warp Tour for longer stints. Yeah, 
you've already told everyone about the camper uh-huh. and how that setup was. I think people want to know a little bit more about what it's really like because Warp Tour, we saw the bands that had tour buses. Yeah. We talked to them about how much they cost and oh my gosh, that's absolutely insane. So no wonder, you know, only the big bands had tour buses. Yeah. Without that, our experience was much, much different. With Warp Tour, we were happy just to be there. I mean, honestly, it was one of those those marks where it's like, you know, this is a, a life goal. I had been to a Warp Tour the decade prior, and it was one of those things where it, it was a dream at that time. So actually being able to be there, you know, we definitely felt like the freshmen hanging out with the, the varsity, varsity players on the team. There was a little bit of that self-conscious, like, oh, which, which bus is yours? The camper? <laughs> Like, you know, there's that little bit of that feeling where it was like, let's try to make friends with everybody, not be too white trash. (laughs) In in the meth lab trailer, of course, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, no, it was definitely an awakening. Uh, The other thing is, you know, we weren't represented by a label. At this point, we had parted ways with our manager prior to that. We were self-managed and we were invited on. We weren't hired to play Warp Tour, I would say. Mm-hmm. We were invited to participate in Warp Tour. And uh, considering the situation, you know, I, I'm super appreciative of everything that we got to do while being there. But, you know, we didn't have the, the food passes, you know, because we didn't purchase them, mm-hmm. which, you know, retrospectively probably should have sprung for the food passes. Yeah, would have been, uh, but of course at the time, you know, being broke and not having a label to back us for the food exactly. passes was, that was, that was a huge thing. Yeah. But not even that was something we thought about before going out, you know, like we, we like, oh, I'll have to eat. Okay. We just, you know, eat food on the way. We can just use some grocery shopping and mm-hmm. store it in the camper. Yeah. The no AC, no, no heat camper oh in gosh. the dead of summer. But yeah, I mean, that was, uh, it was eye opening. With Warp Tour, it wasn't, hey, you roll up behind the venue, walk your gear on, walk it off. Like some of the spots, I mean, you were walking, I mean, upwards of a mile carrying heavy gear. And when you had the type of setup that we had, which we definitely, we, I mean, we went all out with everything we did. It was like, why not? Yeah, Put everything we had into it. So we were carrying lights, we were carrying auxiliary drums, like all this stuff both ways because we didn't have roadies. We didn't have people hired to do that and we wanted to dress the part of the band. So, you know, we were wearing our black jeans and, (laughs) you know, black shirts in the blazing sun carrying heavy gear a mile both ways. And it was grueling. Mm -hmm. But I know for myself, every minute of it, I was just like, it's so cool we're here right now. Check out this huge long walk through uh, muddy ground that we get to do. <laughs> I never thought I'd be walking here. Like <laughs> it was definitely eye opening to our position in life. Oh yeah, very much. That so. was that's the big one because we had a lot of moments where it was like, hey, we could be something, and then it's like, but we're not something. On the flip side of that, mm-hmm. I remember even before going, we started reading these articles, you know, local articles about how. You know, Night Argent from Tri Cities, local band, however they wanted to word it, made it. Or like they're, you know, like look at these guys, they're making it. And they, yeah, everyone all of a sudden was was hopping on this, uh, you know, like this, like yeah, you know, they're doing it. I can't believe they're they're this big. And people, I remember people that I hadn't talked to in a long time would reach out because they thought that that I was part of something that was all of a sudden skyrocketing. 
then we actually hit the road. And like you said, it, I mean, no roadies, no tech support. We have to do all that. We, we don't get priority parking. You know, they're, they're like, no tour buses go here, then bandwagons, and then the bands behind them that are on the tour longer than you. And then out there in the boonies, you guys can go ahead and park. But yeah, that, that, I mean, dragging that, trying to drag a, you know, an 80 pound keyboard across gravel and dirt roads for a mile. My gosh, it was. Yeah, my microphone got heavy. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure it did. Yeah. <laughs> I carried heavy stuff. I just want to put it out there. I did. I did my part when I wasn't calling Paul. Um. <laughs> no, yeah, lugging your ego back and forth was very. No, I'm just kidding. No. I know. I think we did a great job of trying to help each other out. But even at that, I still remember how many arguments we get in, in with each other because. Everyone was tired and the heat was, you know, beating down on us. So after, you know, after 30 minutes of lugging the gear back and forth, there's still more gear. Like, why did you take something extra? You know, you, you know, you have an extra pinky on your hand. You could have grabbed something, you know? And, yeah. But, I'm not going to call out who you're mimicking right now. But oh yeah. Yeah. Not at all. No, we won't. <laughs> Himself. <laughs> you're mimicking yourself. Well, it's the best impression I know how to do. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I, yeah, that's why I'm here. But yeah, but yeah, it was, it was very opening. And I think that a lot of, aspiring musicians don't don't realize that they don't realize how how much work really goes into that level of it yeah. because obviously there's a work at home and for us i i mean the production of our songs alone i mean countless hours into a you know a four minute song but then the level of production we wanted to put into our live shows you know people see the final product and think like wow you know they they must be naturals but especially after exora like you said, we, I mean, rehearsing the same song into the ground until we're literally on stage, you know, during rehearsals exhausted, but we can still do the entire thing without missing a single beat because mm-hmm. we know it that well. And we rehearse it that well. On top of all that work that goes into before you even hop into the, the, the car to go on tour. Then we get there and through the heat, through the green heat, through the long, long days. Cause I mean, you wake up, it's, it's, you know, the heat of the morning. Yeah. We, we have to lug the gear over to the stage. Mm-hmm. We have to communicate with the sound guy, make sure that he's aware of what we're doing. We know we find out our, our set time cause it changes every day. Yeah. And then we get with our publicist and they let us, you know, they tell us, okay, you're, you know, you're going to be doing an interview here. You're going to be doing a meet and greet here. You're going to go, uh, you know, publicize your show here. So we have, a a set schedule for that entire day that, you know, is really demanding. And then after that, we have to go back, we have to play our set with full energy. And then we have to do the meet and greet after that as well, which is always, you know, phenomenal. We all, all love that obviously, but, Mm -hmm. um, and after that, then we have to start loading out the gear. And then after that, it's dinner time and it's late and we we're exhausted. We lay down, go to sleep, wake up in the next city and do the same thing again. Mm-hmm. And it was just, you know, back to back to back, just work, work, work all day, every day for a 20, 25 minute set. Yeah. And that's, that's all we got to play at the time. The warp Tour workout plan. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I think all of us, there wasn't a single warp Tour where we didn't lose at least 10 to 20 pounds. Yeah. Just, you know, heat, sweat, all of it gone. Yep. It's inc- it was incredible. But like you said, if you love the music, if you love performing, that's, you know, like it, it makes it worth it. And yeah. you're so, you feel so fortunate to be there. Those grueling things don't seem nearly as grueling. It's so true. So then later on that year, uh, we also had our first show at Gentlemen of the Road. 
Oh, yeah. With Mumford and Sons. Yeah. And the Foo Fighters. Fighters. Yeah. Yeah, dude. So, Jump in the Road went the other direction again. (laughs) It went away from that grueling, grueling experience. We pulled up. We played first, like the first night. Mm -hmm. So, the main stage wasn't even open the first night yet. But we were on like the, essentially like the secondary stage. Yeah. On that, on the main street. I remember getting, we, we pulled up right behind the stage, <laughs> everything that we wanted to do during Warp Tour. Yeah. Right behind the stage, had security right there. We were able to unload and leave the, like, leave our van, leave our trailer right there, unload, get up on stage. We got, you know, all of our sound check stuff. We were, we were fed and taken care of. And then we get to play down in, in Walla Walla, Washington at Gentleman of the Road Festival mm-hmm. in front of maybe a thousand plus people that yeah. packed this street all the way down. Yeah, no, that was a that was an awesome moment. That was a really cool show. I mean, that's definitely one of the like you said, the other end of the spectrum. One of those moments where it's like, this is how we want it to be every time. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, you know, things like that can't last one night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> back to reality. Oh, I don't know if you remember, but actually, during 2015 uh, Warp Tour is when we met Mr. Mike Mowry. Of our That's management. true. We were we were non-represented at the time. We didn't have a label, didn't have management, and we were working with our publicist at the time, Stephanie. Yeah. We started working with her, um, and she introduced us to Mike Mowry, uh, you know, uh, operator, owner-operator, manager of Outer Loop Management. Well, which actually, Mike was put into contact with us after the Battle of the Bands. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. And I had been talking with him, and I had met him... Once in LA, you know, we we were courting each other for like <laughs> nine months and we started working with Stephanie. And when I told her, you know, because she was asking about management, I told her about Mike, you know, that we were kind of talking with him and she already knew Mike. So she just raved about him, mm-hmm. said she absolutely loved him. And then it was after that that we met him at Warp Tour to, you know, kind of see if that's the direction we're going to I think that was before we started working with him, right? Yeah, yeah. We met him. It, like you said, it was part of the courting process, the back and forth. Oh, okay. He, we yeah. went and had lunch with him, and we sat down. I remember we sat down in the grass somewhere, and he essentially just talked to us about about us and about himself and about the company and you know, his bands and and like us and what we want to progress to and what our goals are and what he thinks he can do you know, with the band, like if we work together or the things we can achieve. Yeah, he had a good, he had a, a good pitch. Yeah. yeah, he really did. So, uh, sure, that later that year is when we uh, iron out the rest of the details with the contract and sign with Outer Loop Management officially. Which actually, I noticed I'm I'm wearing the the Outer Loop shirt oh, yeah, from so. a final year of Warp Tour. So anyone watching this on YouTube is going to see that shirt. Yeah, represent. <laughs> um. So yeah. So we signed with him, and then that's when began the progression towards our EP releases and really kind of trying to structure everything in a progressive career-minded way. We, we were doing that beforehand. We were working to improve ourselves and better our, ourselves and our performances, but we didn't really have much of an idea on what to do. You know, we didn't have much of an idea on what to really invest our time into, I feel like. Yeah. And I think partnering up with him and having, you know, Stephanie as our publicist, two of them together helped focus us and really, you know, push us towards what we needed to become. And so the following year... Let's see. We actually went back to South by Southwest again. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that. Played a couple shows down there. Uh, we had, oh gosh, we had, we had numerous local shows. A show with James Otto, another local. Oh, the Firefighters hero. Fundraiser. Yeah, that's right. We did that yeah. over here at the track in Pasco, which is ironic as James Otto, uh, for those of you who don't know, is from 
nearby here from Washington. Benton City. Benton City, that's right. Um, But he's a country artist. And now our drummer, Zach Burrell, himself has become an established country artist. Yeah. Very talented guy, but yeah. Kind of go-to opener in this area for James Otto. Oh, yeah. He just opened to for him. uh, That was last year, wasn't it? No, that was early at the beginning of this year. Wow. That's so crazy. Uh, I, you know, my Sometimes memory's, recent, yeah, yeah. My <laughs> memory's garbage. <laughs> but it's just crazy that, you know, like it was the band playing with James Otto before. And then, you know, years later, Zach Burrell by himself playing with them, same kind of setting. Yeah. It's crazy to think about the progression and how, you know, I was almost like foreshadowing for what Zach would become. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can't mention all the shows that we've done because we were, there were a ton of them, man. Yeah, there's so many and working on all of our different music videos and stuff, which we'll delve into on a different episode, I'm sure. The following year, we released our, self-titled EP and this was the official rebranding of our like of, of our band Night yes. Argent now we did rename the band to Night Argent before Warp Tour of 2015 as you pointed out earlier we were actually giving away the EP for free at Warp Tour but only at Warp Tour yep before the release so people that came to Warp Tour and, and came to see our set they got a, they received a free copy of the EP if they wanted it, we didn't force it upon them, yeah. <laughs> but they received a free copy of the EP before, uh, almost a year before it was actually released. And an official release in April of, uh, of 2016, followed by a couple exciting adventures. Um, we went down to the Roxy, played the Roxy in LA, as we oh, also yeah. wrote with Mr. John Feldman. And that was part of our... Warp Tour package as well, was mm-hmm. being able to go down and write with him, uh, led to, you know, several songs on our next EP after that. And then later on that year, we went back to Warp Tour again. And this, this, this was our, our second year of Warp Tour. It wasn't quite as long as the first year of Warp Tour for us. Yeah. But what was really cool about it was that we, I mean, I guess cool, quote unquote, we had AC. Yeah. That was huge. But, what was, was really cool for me, at least, was that we knew what to expect. I mean, we weren't veterans, but we almost felt like it because of how, like, we, we knew what was going to happen. We knew how torturous it can be mm-hmm. at times, how grueling it can be, but then it wasn't. It was yeah. great. One of the stops that really stuck out to me was in Vegas that year. Oh, yeah, With the dude. Hard Rock. Yep, the vinyl. Mm-hmm. So the, that was our first time that Warp Tour allowed us to play inside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we played inside this beautiful lounge in the Hard Rock of Vegas, which was absolutely incredible. But that year, I feel like we just, like all things together just kind of can't, you know, just worked. Mm-hmm. We knew what we were doing. The The music was there. We had our EP release. We were able to promote it. We saw a spikes in our social numbers and our following. You know, everything was was going well. Yeah, we started getting to that point where everything was really was going well, but then I don't I don't know how much you recall of what happened later that year, but we did part ways with our guitarist shortly thereafter. There were a lot of things that were building up over the years, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, it, we we try to make it as amicable amicable as possible, no matter what, no matter how how uh, necessary that separation was, it still did create this void. I mean, it was it was. I mean, it was not an easy decision. I mean, we had been through a lot, you know, as a unit. And it was one of those situations I remember, you know, where it's like successes along the way, I should say. And the the high that you get from that, it's a double-edged sword. 
because you come home and the people talk about this post-tour depression. Like mm-hmm. that's prevalent through musicians and performers when you finish a long, hard project that, you know, it's a relief, but then there's that void, that little bit of like post-tour depression you get. We were all kind of feeling that a little bit and, you know, there was tension. And I honestly, there was moments where it was like, okay, well, kind of feels like the band's falling apart and there was some infighting. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was like hurting yourself in order to save yourself. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was tough. My, we were, we were like family and there was, you know, frustration on both sides, but, you know, it really was necessary to, to move forward in a healthy way as a group. Yeah. Yeah. It was, like you said, kind of left this, this void and, we had spent so much time rehearsing and perfecting this machine and you take a part out of it. It's like, okay, how can we get this machine to still work as efficiently? And it was definitely a transitionary period. Like you said, it it was extremely difficult and it wasn't something that we just, you know, like decided on overnight. It was something mm-hmm. that it, we were at this, uh, essentially just this, this, this breaking point where we knew that, yeah, it was the end of the road. Things could not go on as they were. Yeah. So something had to change. So, yep. but after, after all that, that was obviously very, very difficult. But after that, it, it took us a little bit and we ended up working with uh, two great guitarists after that. Mm-hmm. One, Mr. Justin McDonald from Eclectic, Eclectic Approach, Approach, who, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've known them since before we were a band. So, yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah, those guys are, you know, and that, that band's incredible. And two is the very talented, now living in LA, Mr. Liam Ross. Yep. Of Royals, yeah, that's right. Or is has he moved on? I know he was working on a new project as well. I don't know. If, I, th- I think it's both, both. But yeah, Royals, very talented. You know, band and Liam, local kid, and I had worked with him locally with a a band here. You know, when he was a high schooler, and just one of those super talented dudes. That whole band, they're talented. No, he's doing great for himself. Follow him on social still, and after 2016 separation and kind of the the trying to recoup the the four of us at that time mm-hmm. obviously started focusing inward and we started doing things uh trying to do band trips together to try to you know build this it's sort of like after a divorce how one of the parents take their kids on a vacation to tell them like you know show them everything's going to be okay I, I feel like that was a lot of what we did we went on uh several retreats one of them was up to uh scary wood yeah and we did a whole video series for scary wood and then we come back and we're writing and we're uh, we're coming to the studio and we're doing a series of music videos uh, for covers and stuff just to kind of reset almost and try mm-hmm. to try to collect ourselves because uh, this year 2017 was when we were going to be releasing our next EP, mm-hmm. The Fear. So we had a, we had a big a lot of build up to that and to releasing the EP. Three of the songs on there were co written with John Feldman. Yep. We really, I, I remember all of us really feeling like it, this was going to be like the, the the a large next step for us. Yeah, we had all the pieces in play. We had us together. We had the music. We had the um, the style, uh, the imagery. We had the social media content. We had the publicist. We had the booking agent. We had the management company. Everyone working behind the scenes to make this happen. And I mean, I, I'll, I'll allow you to share kind of um, where that went and the downfall behind all of that. 
Yeah, well, thanks for giving me permission. You're very welcome. <laughs> Never mind, I take it back. <laughs> we were in such a good spot. And, you know, that was one of the things I was very aware of. It's like, okay, we have a chance with what we've built, the foundation we've built as a band, to take this to the next level. We have the team around us, which we didn't have prior to that. You know, a lot of this, pretty much everything we did, it's like, okay, are we making the right decision? I don't know. Let's go for it. Yeah. Where now we had people telling us what the right decision was. And us kind of taking our hands off the wheel and trusting them to, you know, to handle things. What I felt at the time was a very solid and very experienced, well-documented experience team. And so it was, it was a bit of a relief where we were like, Hey, we get to focus on us, the music performance. Like that's what we love. We've lost a part. And we're we're trying to figure out how we fit together. Let's focus on that and let the team do what they do best. Mm-hmm. You know, we were very conscious about how we were going to release these songs. What order? What? Let's create the cover art. You know, we we brainstormed the cover art on one of our retreats to you know our better to know you retreats. <laughs> <laughs> we brainstormed this idea, and then it's like we we did a lot of building. We we had some skills, you know, like as far as carpentry and construction electrical. We were able to build the stuff and we had shot videos, shot pictures for ourselves already. So we developed this really slick professional looking album with artwork and branding and we had input from a team and it was like, you know what? This this right here could be that next big step where it's no longer, hey, you know, to local people, we've had success, but to people beyond our, you know, circle will see us have as having been successful, mm-hmm. which, you know, at the time that was, that was part of the focus, which, you know, looking back, it's like, why does it matter to me whoever thinks we're successful or not? Because yeah. we're where we're at and we're on this journey and we're creating and that's, all that matters. Like and with us, it doesn't matter who thinks you're successful or not. But that's that was part of the mindset. It's yeah. like, okay, we have this team and this is gonna put us in a position where we can then start, you know, knocking those dreams off the list. This time, twenty seventeen was kind of when we were in between that where we were getting to a point where we were accepting what is and what what we love about what we do and being okay with that. But at the same time we felt this pressure to continue with the same idea in our mind of like, we are nothing until we have a tour bus and we are playing stadiums and arenas. Yep. And we were in this transitional period, but you know, to your point, we, since we were already starting to become a little self-assured, I guess, for what we are, we had this team in place that was like, okay, we can take what you are and we can, you know, bring you up to bring you out here. So a larger amount of people can see that. Mm-hmm. So that, and that, yeah, that, that is what, uh, you know, we were focusing on. Like, like you said, we were allowed to focus on, on, on us and ourselves and our content and our, our music and our show while they were taking care of all the things that would get our show and get our music out to the masses. Yep. Yeah. We had this, this team in place and, you know, we had started brainstorming video content and everything we we're going to do every step along the way before we did it. We we're like, we're going to do this right. So we planned out each step and we started knocking those, you know, we had, we had like the next six months of our lives scheduled out and we started knocking out those, those little moments 
to get the content ready leading up to release and not to to jump ahead of the timeline but at the end of that like the goal and the plan all this based off of we need to be on the road touring mm-hmm. we can do all this content work but unless we're out there playing in front of people none of it matters that's right we this is what we we're told by the team this is you know what we had learned mm-hmm. and so to us great we're working on all this content we have a team that can build the show for us. Because leading up to that, like, Warp Tour is a little different, but we got ourselves on Warp Tour through, mm-hmm. you know, the like the contest. And, you know, up to that point, it was we were in charge of booking. We had our hands firmly on the wheel. Yeah, so with this part of it, it was like we have professional agent, professional agency representing some of the biggest bands that I've ever been a fan of and, like, my very first favorite band – I'm not going to mention because it doesn't matter. Yeah. And we have, you know, this this team is like, all we have to do is, you know, do what we do best. Build content and put on a killer show and then hit the road. And we will be the cog in the machine that is pushing the the music out there. Mm-hmm. You know, and we just go where they tell us. Yep. At that point, we were putting in hours. More hours than, like, your typical full-time job. Like, just... Hours with no guarantee of pay, we knew what what the result was going to be and what the long term goal would be, but it was worth it to us. And yeah, it was a cool moment, kind of you know anticipating what that tour might look like and you know the reaction we'll get from putting out the music. And then you know, of course, I mean, I'm not sure what you want to talk about next. I, I have a little idea. Yeah, no, yeah, lead you right up into. Uh all of us building that stuff and then essentially having like realizing that there was no foundation in the entire house collapsing in on itself. Yeah. I was going to say our first roadblock, but that (laughs) (laughs) our first roadblock, we hit a speed bump (laughs) going 180 (laughs) miles an hour (laughs) and not just any speed bump. Like one of those like huge, you know, you're talking speed bumps, like elementary school parking lot speed bumps. In a car lowered with half an inch clearance. <laughs> yeah. Yes, they absolutely, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, did you want me to dive into that at oh, all? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think, because uh, even back then people were wondering, we never really, we never really publicized Mm-mm. what happened. We we wanted to, we, we talked about how we wanted to protect the public from it at times. Like we didn't want to share it with them. But I think a lot of it had to do with us protecting ourselves emotionally because it was incredibly devastating. Yeah, to have all of that work for not just us, but a lot of our team completely betrayed. Yeah, but. no, I mean it was definitely something that was frustrating, and it was like you know they're not wanting to air drama. Mm-hmm. I mean that's one thing. Like as a band, you know, through things that have happened, we've been very careful to not. We don't want to put our drama on our fans. We want them to be able to appreciate and enjoy the music mm-hmm. without having to deal with what we might have going on. Yeah. Which isn't necessarily the right way to handle it or the wrong way to handle it, but that's how we handled it. So we were working with this booking agent and, you know, we were told there was this tour being put together and that's all we knew. We we knew, you know, looking at like a West Coast tour, but it was going to be the tour we go on after our hometown EP release show. Mm-hmm. So we'd, we'd have our big local show you know, where we force our music on all our friends and family. <laughs> and uh, I, honestly, the people here that have supported uh, supported us are like 
they're so cool. They're our friends. Like, oh, yeah. Every single person that's gone to our shows, like multiple times, we become friends with them. Oh, yeah. After the show, we'll stand there. I mean, we take a picture, but then we'll talk with them for 10 minutes before moving Yeah, and on, then we'll so. see them at Walmart or at, you know, <laughs> or, or outside Yokes of our houses, or Wingo. Weird, you know, just standing there. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had this, this plan, this strategy, everything mapped out, just like our show. Mm-hmm. Every step mapped out. It's like, we got to hit all of these, and that is the the pathway to success. You know, as it got closer and we didn't have any solid tour dates, you know, it's like, hey, we want to start promoting these shows. We want to, I, you know, we trust you. You know, we just want to be able to start telling people about the shows beforehand. We've got this content built. We want to build excitement. You know, we were told details coming soon. And then it was like two or three weeks before the tour was supposed to start. Mm-hmm. And we knew nothing. I remember just thinking like, yo, is everything Okay. Like, I don't remember, like I said, I have a terrible memory. I don't remember exactly how it played out, but the end result was the tour wasn't happening. It was never going to happen. The booking agent we were currently working with was having a huge change in his career and life um, happening and needed to kind of hold on to what he had at the time. And, you know, the side effect of that was us and other bands were kind of put on hold without being told. Mm-hmm. We were kind of put on the side and just kind of kept complacent. We were told things that basically weren't true to keep that that ball kind of moving forward. So there we were, you know, two weeks before our big CD release and plans of touring with no tour, no no booking agent. And it was one of those things where it's like, okay, we'll tour later. We can still release the CD, Mm -hmm. but we can tour at the end of the year. Well, our publicist, Stephanie, and Mike, our manager, both people that I still love and adore and care for, they stepped up to the plate and they're like, well, let's figure this out. You know, let's, let's, let's keep moving forward. Which really speaks to their character because they, I mean, they were putting as much work as we were into this whole thing. Oh yeah. So like what was detrimental to us was equally as detrimental to them in all of their efforts. And it really, it really obviously did impact all of us, but they, they knew what that meant for us. So they, yeah, they, like you said, they stepped up and like, all right, let's, let's do this. You know, they, 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 they stayed invested. They didn't, you know, throw a tantrum. They didn't abandon us and say, well, there goes that. They were there with us and for us the entire time. Yeah. And they had bigger projects to to worry about on their plate, bigger artists they were working with. And they could have very easily just kind of done the same thing where it's like, oh, it's okay. You know, just sit and wait. Yeah. And, you know, just kind of helping us work through it as a band. But once again, it was like hands off the wheel. Like, okay, that person jumped out, that driver left. But we got these two people kind of helping us, holding on. Let's continue focusing. Blessing in disguise, we get more time to hone our set before tour. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the, the mindset. That was the attitude. Like, this sucks, but what's, what's one canceled tour? Yeah. You know, that, that was, that's how we, how we felt about it. Yep. And then, uh, you know, it, that, that obviously did. That, I want to say that was kind of the, uh, the tipping point for us in our mindset of, we talked about earlier about making it yeah. about what making it is or was for us initially versus what making it has become for us now. Yeah. We always thought, uh, early on we thought night Argent was going to be the vessel 
that carried us to this point of stardom. But what we realized, well, at least what, what I realized, and I think you've, we've talked about this numerous times as well, is that it became the vessel to get us to a a different end game and gave us, you know, it got us to this, uh, to a very similar career, but something different than what we would have expected when we first started it. It was, it, instead of it being the, you know, the end all, it, it was a transition for us, um, or is a transition for us. Yeah. We're still night argent, but obviously we're just, our, our priorities have reshifted. Yep. But I do remember shortly after, cause we were, we were all obviously devastated and really didn't know what to do with ourselves. We, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, it, yeah, we, we tried to put a positive spin on it, but we, we had invested, I mean, countless hours into what was now non-existent. And shortly thereafter, we, we did have a very cool opportunity to play at, uh, the first ever uh, tin fest, tin ambulation festival oh, yeah. up in Spokane. So that was, that definitely helped. That was a, a couple months after the fact, but that definitely helped and reassured us that we're still a band. Yeah. I mean, which that, that festival, I think was the first booking we had with the new agent who our manager, Mike had connected us with. And oh, yeah. like I said, he helped us through that transition and, you know, it was just, great to have someone kind of help us find, you know, cause we worked hard to get the, the team that we had. Yeah. Finding a booking agent that, you know, believes in you and is willing to, you know, put their, their neck on the line for you is, is rare and difficult. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to make a name for yourself and you don't already have a name for yourself. Yeah. Tinfest was one of the first bookings he got for us. If it, I, if I remember correctly, I may be wrong about this, but, but I'm pretty sure that he had actually, reached out to us about Tinfest before we were working with him. Yeah. Like he had actually like before it was official. Yeah. And and so we weren't even like, you know, he didn't owe us anything. He wasn't obligated to us in any measure. Mm-hmm. But he he landed us this this festival gig as kind of like a hey, you know, here's this. How would you like for me to continue doing this for you? Yep. And that was great. That was especially after what we just went through. That was that was that was huge. That was a huge vote of confidence in him right mm-hmm. off the bat. Uh but yeah, Tin Fest. And then after that it was when we uh almost immediately after that was when we announced our uh upcoming tour with Social Repose. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyone who follows the band remembers kind of what happened with that. But mm-hmm. essentially we, we announced that tour and it was going to be our first, uh, what, what would you classify as like a support tour? tour. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There we go. And it, we were, we were all super excited for it. It was going to be, it was going to be great. We were ready for it. And they were over, uh, overseas doing the, like one part of their tour. Mm-hmm. And they were going to come over and we were going to do the, the domestic leg with them. The, the East, you know, basically hitting everywhere on the East coast. It would mm-hmm. rival our longest tour. Mm-hmm. I think it was longer than our, our, uh, access tour. It, yep, it was. Yeah, I, I remember because it was, we, we just really started talking about the access tour and what we did right and what we did very, very wrong because yeah. we didn't want to make those mistakes over, you know, when we're all the way across the country and we can't just, you know, like when we got sick, we were able to come back home, wouldn't be that kind of thing there. So we, yep. we were trying to to plan out all that stuff. And this was going to be uh, the the replacement essentially for our EP tour. Yep. But unfortunately, uh, that did fall through and by no fault of, of our teams at all, but not by the booking agent. It was uh, not just, even by the other artist booking agent. Just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was just a, an unfortunate series of events um, that prevented the artist from continuing with the next leg of the tour. Yep. So, yeah, that, you know, that was, that was a very, 
fresh repealing of the scab that was just healing from the previous injury for us. Yep. But we still, I mean, after that, we still stayed as a, as a band. We try to stay strong and try to try to face forward and, and move forward with that. We did play a, a few more shows after that. We worked on more songs and more mm-hmm. content. The The following year, 2018, was uh, our first time playing the Benton County Fair on the main stage, which local bands had never been able to do. That's something yeah. that was brand new. Some local people here that were organizing that reached out to us and offered us that because they wanted to make it an annual thing. Like like one night every year of the fair, they wanted to have uh, local acts. Yeah, on stage. highlight you know local acts in the area where you know that main stage was reserved for nationally selling artists. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I dude, that was that was one of the coolest moments because I remember you know playing the fair with you, like <laughs> I think on hay bales. Like we performed like straight up on hay bales before mm-hmm. at the fair when we were teenagers. And then to go from that and, you know, having that memory and playing on main stage could mean a lot of things depending where you're at. But it was a massive stage, professional sound, best lights, like just one of those stages that imagine playing on when you quote unquote make it. I mean, it was definitely an interesting, interesting performance. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I feel uh, I feel like it was the first time since Exora that we were far less prepared than we should have been as a group. That is true, but I I think a lot of it has to do with we 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 didn't finish fully healing from the the wounds that were caused by the you know yeah the the double tore falling through, which mm-hmm. was huge. I mean, that really did impact us a lot. And I think that really did affect us. But a uh, strange sign for that real fast. Yeah. That night at the Benton County Fair, that was 2018. That particular night at the fair, my 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 current girlfriend, uh-huh. I've been dating for, you know, since 2018, later in 2018, she was actually there at the fair that night. Mm-hmm. She saw the band on the big screen and she immediately walked away because she was not interested in the music. <laughs> <laughs> Fast forward a matter of weeks uh-huh. and we meet and start dating. Yeah. And then she she put two and two together and realized, oh, you were there and I didn't care about your music. <laughs> so, yep. Thanks. You know, I appreciate your honesty. But at that point we were used to it. <laughs> yeah, know? that's true. Yeah. We knew our we knew our position. <laughs> that is true. Our station in life. Yep. But after that, the final thing that that Night Argent's done to really you know, to really kind of mark touring or shows was uh, our tour with our good friends from Rich Love down in Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. So we did a tour with them last year. Do we not want to talk about the tour before that? Which tour before that? Am I completely missing one here? Yeah, dude. Abigail Breslin. Oh, well, I want to talk about that. And there was another one, too. I just just wanted to to mention positively Rich Love last year. uh, We... They sort of had a similar thing where someone that they were working with initially to create the tour with us, uh, and the tour is branching around. It started up here in the Northwest for us. They started mm-hmm. it beforehand. It was going to loop back down around all the way over to Nashville and end in Nashville with them. Yeah, because it was it was the, a tour they were putting together, and they invited us to be a part of for for that leg. And which you know we we love them as a group. So it had been a while since we kind of had done a self booked tour. Even though it wasn't us self-booking it, but like a self-booked tour. Yeah. You know, we're, I think we're looking forward to the potential that the tour held. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Same thing with, not the same thing, but similar to our tour previous for our EP, they were initially 
uh, working with certain people mm-hmm. and that fell through. So the, the tour that we ended up doing wasn't exactly what we, what, what they had originally planned, but it was, you know, it was a tour and it was one of the last times that we as a band uh, were on the road and got to, got to share our music and play our music in front of different crowds across different cities. And more importantly, uh, we got to hang out with, with Rich Love, who we absolutely love. We got to visit Nashville Mm -hmm. for the first time as a band, which we, you know, which which was awesome. It was always a a goal to play Nashville and, uh, yeah, we, we got to do it, Uh, you know, yeah, we did it. (laughs) But yeah, you, as you were talking about before, we did have two other tours lined up. One of them was, was with, Miss Abigail Breslin. So Social Repose was winter of 2018, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, then, you know, that was our second tour canceled. And then the booking agent landed us a tour for the next spring is, I think, what it was originally supposed to be with uh, Abigail Breslin. Mm-hmm. And for those of you who don't know Abigail Breslin, uh, actress, uh, incredible Straight actress, childhood. Little yeah. Miss Sunshine, Zombieland, Zombieland Zombie Two, hopefully Zombieland Three. Fingers yeah. crossed. <laughs> but she's also a uh, she's an artist, and she uh, I wasn't even aware of that. But she she was a you know she's an artist, and she had started releasing music uh, f- uh, several years ago. But then she sort of reinvented her sound, mm-hmm. and this tour was going to be the the release of that and the launch of that. Yeah, the album she had one song out right before that with Steve Aoki. Mm-hmm. Um, which had, you know, like four or five million hits at the time. I'm sure it's got, you know, more now. Oh, yeah. It was someone that we were aware of. We knew it was like, okay, obviously there's going to be, it's going to be a professional tour. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it was that feeling where, you know, it can happen three times in a row. Yeah. We can't have three <laughs> shows canceled. That like, this is making up for those two. And then I, it, I think they... It was like the idea was it maybe in the spring, but then they solidified it for fall. Was it fall? I believe. Uh, I think initially because yeah, they they had given us a sheet uh, with like the cities mm-hmm. and tentative dates for some of them, and then a bunch of question marks by the other. And yeah. then yeah, they had a pushback initially, which w- moved us to I believe the fall. I think you're right. Yeah. Um. Before obviously the final stroke. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I remember like there was more information coming in and, you know, it was like, everything was looking good. You know, it was like, Hey, this is going to happen. Like this is her, she next step in her career. And then they greenlit zombie land too. And we were like, we saw that we didn't hear it from our management or her management. We just saw, you know, the news article zombie land two is happening. Mm -hmm. And we were big fans of the first one. So we were stoked. The second one was happening. We're like, Dude, this is this is awesome. Perfect timing. Like we're going on tour with her. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, wait, this article mentions they're they're starting filming right away. Yeah. What does that mean? Yeah. And I remember us sending one of those emails were to our booking agent. It was like, hey, saw Zombieland 2 is coming out. Um, how are we looking on the schedule? Like, is is everything still good to go? Like a like a week later we get the reply. Uh, working with her team on it to uh, they're they're trying to coordinate shooting around the tour. Uh, we'll let you know what it looks like. Might have to move, push back to uh, you know midwinter. We'll keep you posted. Yep. And every follow up email was along those lines, like, "Hey, they're still trying to make it work with the team." Until the final email is, "Hey, they couldn't coordinate it around shooting." And then there's going to be the press junkets and everything leading up to the movie after the premiere. You know this tour. You know. Hopefully, if it happens again, you know, we'll let you guys know and maybe we can 
make it happen. Yeah. So we held out hope that it was like, okay, got pushed back. Obviously, she's really, you know, record this album. She's going to release it. Yeah. But yeah, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, that's the third one. Simultaneously, almost was an, another band who I feel incredibly bad. I am, I can't recall their name right now. An overseas band from Europe that was going to be making their debut here in the States. Yeah. We were going to hop onto their tour as well. So we were with the booking agent. It was essentially, it was, it was crazy to think that we had, at a point in time, we had three tours in the canon. Uh-huh. We had the prep for Abigail Breslin's tour, the the um, the prep for uh, the tour from Europe, and Rich Love. Yep. I remember us like coordinating, all right, this is perfect. We're going to spend anywhere from four to six months on the road this year. This is great. And obviously, both those fell through. Not just with Rich Loves, uh, which was still great, but you know, what was we were hoping for six months yeah. became a f- few weeks. Can I mention with that uh, the European band one, which you know very talented band would have been a great combination, and they wanted to make a states tour happen, and it just you know didn't work. But before we even committed to that tour, I remember you know almost jokingly, I emailed the booking agent. I was like, hey. Because we got the info from him. He sent us about the tour, asked if we'd like Mm -hmm. to be part of it. I was like, you know what? We're on board as long as (laughs) this one is for sure. Yeah. Like, as long as this one's actually going to happen, you know, wink, wink, ha ha. Yeah. You know, the booking agent wrote back. He's like, dude, there's no way this one's not going to happen. Yep. (laughs) Of course, you know, there's no way he can guarantee that. It's not his, his tour. He's not the one. And I know he was probably doing it just because... Like us, it was like, how in, there's no way. Statistically. Yeah. There's no way four could fall through. Yeah. And, you know, our booking agent booked us some amazing tours. He did everything right. Yeah. None of this was ever his fault, which already in my book, considering the previous experience, that in itself was like, dude, you kick ass. Like, you're great. And he kept batting for us, kept going to bat. Like, oh, it fell through. All right, next one, let's do it. Yep. Fell through. Next one, let's keep doing it. You know, and just kept pushing. Yep. And he got us great gigs in between, like good pain gigs, like the rooftop one in Seattle, which was awesome. Oh, yeah. You know, there was uh, some really cool, cool things that, that came from that. But yeah, that fourth tour, man, you know, we never got any official like, hey, this isn't happening. But I, I want to laugh thinking about it is like, as it got closer and we were like told details coming soon and we're like four weeks away, three weeks away. Like I just told myself, I'm not even going to ask. Yeah. It's like, I'm not going to ask if, if we're supposed to be somewhere or tour, we'll get an email about it. And it just never happened. Yeah. Like, cause we had all the promo materials. We had the the info and we kept an eye on that band's page and they just never went through with it. And, you know, of course, they didn't have to ask us or, you know, converse with us about it. That's not the position it was. And it just ha- didn't happen. And it just kind of felt like, okay, that's right. That's how this, that's how it works, you yeah. know? And that was like during the Rich Love Tour that we kind of realized, you know, this fall tour is coming up and we just didn't hear anything. Yeah. That, I mean, that pretty much brings us to present day. Yeah. When we got back, obviously we've, anyone who's caught any of our local shows, in the past, what, two years, uh-huh. has heard new music that is unreleased. Yep. So we have 
uh, an EP that is pretty much done. Yeah. That we've been performing. Uh huh. That we haven't released. That we haven't toured. We've even shot some some parts for music videos. Yeah. We haven't released them because we don't we don't have uh, the structure for what's going to happen. Well, we still have to do the support tour for our 2017 EP. That's so right. Yeah. <laughs> how can we release another one? Yeah. That's yeah. Oh my gosh, that's a tough spot to be in, isn't it? Yeah. But that's. I mean, those are the kind of things that uh, you know people, especially local people who have seen us, tend to not even. Uh, not even understand, not even realize that that's that, that kind of devastating disappointment and you know, the kind of things that have happened. Like uh, I've had people say, why aren't you guys on the radio? Like, why aren't you guys on a tour? Why aren't you guys like touring nationally? Why aren't you playing stadiums? You know, mm-hmm. why aren't you doing that? You know, maybe it's fate interjecting. Maybe it's uh, the gnomes that are, <laughs> you know, cursing us or elves yeah. or whatever, whatever mythical, magical creatures. Yeah, yeah. Please don't be, uh, you know, prejudiced against specific mythological sex. Oh, okay. sorry. Uh, all of them, all of Faye, <laughs> all of the Faye are, are, are conspiring against us to keep us from touring. Yes. But no, I mean, we've, and we, and after all this happened, I still remember uh, some of you and I's conversations mm. and just really talking about it and saying like, what, what would have or could have happened if we had gone, like what was, was this some sort of divine intervention to keep us from a uh, worse or fate mm-hmm. or is, was this just what we needed to wake up and see what we have here and, you know, reallocate our priorities, yeah. which is essentially what we've done. We're, you know, we're very fortunate to have the studio here that we get to work in all the time. Um, I mean, anyone watching the YouTube video, will see this beautiful, control room which is small compared to the entire campus of, yeah. of resources that we're, that we're so so fortunate to have mm-hmm. uh, through all this it forced us to kind of refocus here on this stuff and and understand that um maybe night argent stadium tours was never meant to be yeah finality yeah no i mean i definitely agree with that it's that it's that opening up of your priorities and kind of viewing the big big picture because for many years main focus was make a night argent successful yeah and that like that was the focus and we had a lot of you know great reviews on our our music a lot of a lot of great feedback one of the reviews we did get was like very backhanded compliment i think it was like the Probably the the review that hurt the most. I mean, it, not that it hurt, but it was it wasn't just trashing us. Yeah, they weren't just haters. They were being very kind, but very real. Yeah, and they basically said, like, if you're looking for a polished, well put together pop, you know, shiny pop rock uh, album to consume, this is great. If you're looking for deeper meaning. And very emotional, self-reflecting uh, inspiration. This is not the place to be. Yeah, this is not what you listen to. Honestly, I still, you know, it's when the focus was, "Hey, how can we be successful?" Rather than, "Hey, how can we create something that is going to better the world, or better ourselves, or the people around us?" That's what we get. You get something very shiny, well put together, and you know, well polished on the outside. That's just hollow on the inside. Much like a lot of the 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 plans 
that were laid through the the tours and the booking agent. It, it's all well and good, but unless there's substance, what's the point? Yeah. You know, it's very well said. Well, thank you. Hold on, let me look at the rest of my notes. <laughs> <laughs> Next page. Flip the cue card. I still think after the, you know, after the, the Rich Love tour, our last tour as a band, not last show, mm-hmm. the last tour that we've had as a band, not to, uh, you know, negate the possibility of future tours. After that, I remember a moment of reflection where I was almost embarrassed about my own ambitions in the band and kind of the narrow focus kind of short-sightedness that was necessary at times to keep the band moving forward and to have that tunnel vision to create what we were trying to create. But realizing that it's like, man, there's so much more. Like there, even in music, there's so much more we can be accomplishing and creating outside of Night Argent needs to land that tour to push this album, get sales so we can do more tours and more albums that are only focuses to get more. Realize it's like, okay, well, we can stay a band and go back to like, hey, let's create what we love, do what we love to do, whether it's here, whether it's on a tour, whether it's, you know, for ourselves. Let's create something we love and that, you know, people will hopefully be impacted by. Couldn't agree with you more, man. Before we wrap up, uh, I just wanted to ask, have you answer one quick question. I know there's too many to count, but out of all the, the, the road show tour memories that we've created, just tell us one of them that sticks out to you so much. Like it's just that you, that's one thing that you will never forget and you'll always, always remember. Oh man, that's, that's tough. With your terrible memory, there should only be three to pick from. So, <laughs> I mean, oh man, uh, can I do kind of like an uh, amalgam of memories? Absolutely. Like every single memory that is us hiking, longboarding, exploring someplace we've never been, like 12 year olds in the woods, like just no cares, like, yeah. you know, grown men skateboarding through a new town looking for food with backpacks on. Like, yeah, dude, that to me, I never got that in my childhood, like that experience. I, cause, you know, I, that's not the type of people I hung with. I did musical theater and, you know, that had its own great experiences, but I, I didn't get that kind of freedom, you know, as a kid in that sense. And man, it was, it was awesome. Oh, yeah. Th- those experiences with, with you guys, that would be the highlights, you know, not the, shows or after the shows but the in-between moments like the journey part of it well you know what's really funny about you saying that mm-hmm. is that about four maybe five years ago we did an interview they asked each of us in the band for our own input like if you could give one tip one recommendation for any any artist any band that's going to go on tour mm-hmm. what's your recommendation and your recommendation was explore Oh, really? That was, yep. That was your recommendation was explore, Uh, go out, don't, you know, don't get caught up in the monotony of day to day, you know, sleep, wake up, work. Whenever you have those, those breaks in between, whenever you have a day off, don't just sit, go explore. You're going to be in areas that you may never be in again. mm -hmm. We talked about this before we, we were driving past Mount Rushmore on the way home one time, 30 minutes out of the way. And your dad was like, Hey guys, uh, you know, we're passing Mount Rushmore. You guys want to stop and see it real fast? Who gets to say that? I yeah. mean, how many people get to say that? People who live in that area. 
You know what? You have a good point. <laughs> but no, I, did, I You're right, it wasn't totally special. agree, man. Shouldn't have said it. <laughs> no, I totally agree. Like, uh, like that was, you know, that's not something that you just every day, like, here's this national monument you've known since you were a child that have never seen. Yeah, You want to exactly. check it out? Yeah, see it in books all the time. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, and, you know, we just, we're driving by it. The St. Louis Arches, same thing. Yeah. I mean, we went to Times Square, because we were on tour. Like, yeah. That's that's I mean, that's insane to think about. But no, that's it's it's funny that through all of the ups and downs, your appreciation for that aspect of touring has always been like your your main priority. Like, you yeah. haven't you haven't allowed that that childlike wonder <laughs> almost <laughs> to be deterred by all the rejection and the countless negative reviews yeah. about you being shallow and pedantic <laughs> yeah, and all of yeah, your music, yeah. but yeah, yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> I'm just kidding. They were, they no, were, I, no, it's good, man. It's good. I need to hear this. Yeah. Oh, the bad reviews were always, always the best dude. I, yeah. You I, guys I let those, one so. slip through for me to read. You didn't get to edit that one before I read it. Like you did all the others. Uh, those, every review said, you know, music's great. The rest of the band members need to be, you know, need to be uh, fed more food and <laughs> better sleeping conditions. Why are all these reviews written on post-its? <laughs> Aren't they on like websites? <laughs> nope. They send post-its to us, man. Here, here you go. <laughs> uh, As we wrap up, I just want to say thanks again, man. This is, uh, you know, being the first actual episode of uh, this podcast. It's good to give people a full-on history of our of our touring rises and falls mm-hmm. we'll actually delve into another episode later on where we discuss our tips and our recommendations for touring and the little things that we did behind the scenes to to survive one of those being that you mentioned earlier long boards which yes. were huge for us but but yeah we'll go over all that in a different episode just thank you so much for taking the time out thank to do you this. man thanks for letting me be part of it and it's been fun oh yeah Hey, I just want to take another minute to say thank you so, so much for checking out today's episode of The Modern Mixdown. Be sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Modern Mixdown Pod. And if you really enjoyed us, tell your friends about it. If you didn't, tell your enemies. Either way, we'd love to have more listeners. Thanks again, and hopefully we'll see you soon.